My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You know, I had holes in the walls. I had tenants that left without letting me know. Um, you know, turning up on the front door, knocking on that door, and then not hearing a peep inside. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum, and in this episode, we discover how Luke Moroni built a large portfolio of over 27 properties. He explains what life was growing up, how he went from being stuck in New South Wales to traveling all over the world on cruise ships, and also explains the consequences of buying a property without researching first. Luke Moroni has lived a full and well-traveled life. He's now the owner of a popular buyer's agency. I'm a joint owner in a company called Search Party Property. We're a property buyer's agent. You know, through my journey, I've bought quite a few properties, um, currently sitting at 27 properties in the property portfolio and you know, probably transacted over 200 properties for family, friends and clients. Wow, that's amazing. And so, when you said that you've been doing that, when did you start in that journey? I started back in 2002, bought my first investment property in Western Sydney in Blacktown, which is only about 10 minutes from where I lived, which is often a bit of an early investor or first-time investor mistake that often is made. Moroni's day-to-day consists of liaising and strategizing with buyers and investors. It's constant conversations on property deals, conversations with individual investors, thinking about what their strategy, what their plan is, what kind of property deals that we wanted to buy firstly. Maybe it's a dip their toes in the water with something nice and easy and simple. Maybe it's a progression with them on a second or third or fourth property. Um, And it's just that constant drive to increase their property portfolio, increase their wealth creation for that future choice. So deals and a combination of that and mindset and action, which is a big one for everyone because there is so much fear around property investing and the pros and cons of it and how it actually works and how it can benefit you in future. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. And this is the thing with property, it's just so many facets of it and there's just so much that, you know, one can really only, you know, absorb in that one. That's why you surround yourself with a team, having a good team around you to be able to do that because 
you know, it's a team play game. It's a, it's a team sport, I guess you can say. Without the people around you, it's very, very difficult to really go properly in yourself as well. I have a little acronym I, I like to share on social media a lot. It's um, turn on your tap, T-A-P, team, action, and patience when it comes to your investing. So just those simple ideas and thoughts and acronyms can really make a difference for some person who's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Where's the team? What kind of action am I taking? And then with any investing, whether it be property or other investments, it's about having patience to allow that to grow to to uh, sustain a, a whole strategy, not only that one property or that one investment, but a whole portfolio for the future. Moroni grew up in the 80s where all things were simple and easy, but he couldn't have been further removed from that world. Grew up in Western Sydney, like you said. Uh, early days was in the suburb of Wentworthville, but I don't have too many memories because I moved out. Uh, we moved out of there when I was uh, two or three years old. Moved into Girraween on a quarter acre block. Um, traditional type of family upbringing in terms of the uh, 1980s uh, going through that period. Um, Girraween is a little-known suburb in in the mix of Toongabby, Pendle Hill, um, in between sort of Blacktown and Parramatta, and um, yeah, I've had a pretty you know you know I've, I've had a great childhood, m- many memories of playing cricket in the backyard with my brothers and sister, and you know family and friends would would come around often, so. You know, I, I I feel like I'm very grateful for my upbringing and, and you know, the experiences that I had um, and the journey that I went on. So, um, it, was, it was great. While he lived on an acreage, he was still within the realms of Sydney. It was suburbia really um, as opposed to, you know, there's some, some of the areas of Girraween that, you know, was a little bit farm, a little bit industrial. Um, but the, the pocket that I lived in was, you know, um, house after house with quarter acre blocks, so a thousand square metres of land. Um, it's definitely changed now. Uh, the house that I used to live in is actually a childcare centre now. Um, and just down the road, um, you know, on either side of the road, that's been converted into townhouses and duplexes. So there's been a lot of development in the area in recent times as I guess Sydney has expanded in population, so too as the, the wanting and needing for being close to train stations and we're only like a 10-minute walk from the Toongabby train station. So, you know, I use that through my high school years. I use that through my working years where I used to catch a train every day to the city from Toongabby, which is about an hour ride. So, um, you know, it, it is well versed in, in a lot of different areas in terms of thinking about property because obviously holding on to something like that is, is it's, it's gold, right? Like um, having land in Sydney that's within, you know, uh, a 40 kilometre zone or um, difference in in proximity then you've got situations where you can you know make a lot of money through or wealth creation through property. Moroni brought his first property early but maybe he got into it quickly because he's always known the importance of being first. Well the primary school was just down the road so um, I actually walked to school each and every day. I remember um, I was always a eager beaver and wanting to get to school first so I could be the first one in the cricket nets and, and have the bat ready and the ball ready for the first one, first person to come up and bowl to me. So um, my mother always said, oh, you always wanted to be first in line, always wanted to be first. Um, and I, I guess I've lived that through uh, my working life, whereas, 
you know, you're always chasing uh, in terms of um, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So if if you're not chasing for something, then no one's going to reply back to you or, you know, move things for you to get things happening. So ultimately, everything's up for you. And it was the same way as me getting to school when I was a kid, being the first one to show up um, to play cricket and waiting for the next person to come play with me. So, yes, I was a bit of an eager beaver and that driven motivation has really shown through or shone through in my life. He had fond memories of his childhood, a time he says was full of family, friends and activities. You know, playing sport in the backyard, um, a lot with cousins, a lot with um, you know family. I'm one of four kids. Um, Dad was uh, at work working for the um, government for you know 25 odd years. He he then ended up um, buying into uh, bought a business, uh, ran a childcare centre. Um, so you know that entrepreneurial space is definitely within the within the family and has been passed on and um, you know mum was at home so we were very fortunate to have a parent at home you know these days it's often you know parents are both at work you know we're lucky enough to have our mum there you know when we return home from school I'd eat a feast as soon as I got home and then eat eat at dinner as well so we were very active kids whether it be at school whether it be straight after school um, you know, playing cricket and football, um, basketball in the backyard. So we were, you know, lucky enough. Whereas you see, I guess the kids of today, um, if they're going out to do things because of the small um, parcels of land that they live on these days, they're having to go to the park. So it's not a case of getting in the backyard and, and playing some of these sports. Um, so I feel very fortunate. Um, I feel very grateful about our upbringing. You know, there's always that those dramas that we do have in our lives, but. What are we so grateful for? And that's what I really reflect on. And I feel that I'm very lucky and fortunate, especially when you hear other people's stories, right? You mentioned that you had cousins and family and stuff like that and being in a family four. Were there all your cousins living close by? Is that why you guys were able to you know, hang out with each other and, and go and play sport together? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they were within sort of 10 minutes. I guess it was that old uh, avenue of, you know, you, you know, family or kind of often stuck in those areas very close by where it's there's more of a I guess a division these days and I know when I've traveled over to the US um, and you see the proximity that that families live over there one's in New York others in LA another one's in Texas so for them as soon as they go they leave high school it's going off to college in another area of the country Um, we tend to just you know stick in the same sort of city at least um, and previously, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, it was, you know, stay in the same neighborhood. It'd be crazy to live in, um, you know, for someone to live in Western Sydney and then even someone to live in Northwestern Sydney. So, you know, um, it was kind of frowned upon if the, one of the family left the area. So, you know, it was all like stay close to family. Family was a big one in those days. And I remember um, we used to do little athletics on a Friday night and then everyone be over my grandmother's house. Um, on a Friday night straight after and a little three-bedroom house that she had, there'd be, you know, 30 or 40 people in there, cousins and 
um, you know, other family members and, and ex, you know, extended family would come and visit. I can totally, totally relate. And the reason why I say that is because I, I'm a family of four as well. And my, fam- my father is a family of five. And because we grew up in the Ryder area as well, everyone lived literally in there. You know, my, my uncle lived in North Ryder. My grandfather had a place in East Ryder. It's like literally everyone was in Ryder. And we'd have our Sunday meets just like you. No one near 30, I can tell you that. We didn't have that many kids. But uh, I think we'll probably have at least half of that. And I remember we did all our traveling. We hung out as families pretty regularly you know around there and unfortunately you don't see that anymore as much and especially with lockdown and in COVID it's even harder now but I do remember being so close you'd end up just going over that place and hang out with my cousins or hang out with my siblings and stuff like that and we play and yeah I do miss those days it's great that we're talking about that as well <laughs> mm, good memories good memories absolutely so uh, after say primary school you mentioned you also um used the public transport and soon gave you to travel you know for school and stuff did you stay in the local area for high school or did you travel further out no it was actually quite further out actually it was all the way up in castle hill that we went to school so um i think my mother was set on um, us to go to oak hill college at castle hill so it was walk to the station uh, 10 minute train ride to Parramatta and then a bus for 45 minutes to Castle Hill. So, um, yeah, it was pretty epic. And um, both my brothers, one left in year nine, one left in year 10. I went all the way to year 12. And, um, you know, it's kind of like an hour each way at least um, on public transport. Um, that will really toughen you up, definitely. Um, doing those, I guess those really hard knocks. I guess sometimes we don't realise maybe some of the pain that we went through as kids or the hard work we did as kids has really developed us. I guess it can go both ways, right? It can, it can make us or break us. Um, so, and I think it's really just resonated with me to just like work hard at things and um, you can achieve. And I know Oak Hill College because I live, I only live maybe 10 minutes down the road from there. So, I'm not, I'm very familiar. But back then when public transport system isn't as good as it is now, like, you know, now we've got the metro, it's very easy to get there and, and so forth. But I couldn't imagine you, you travel an, almost an hour and a half every time, at least, you know, just one way, wasn't it? Therefore, you'd be on, on public transport for at least three hours a day. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, I guess sleeping on the bus was a was a big thing back then, and I couldn't wait to get my license um, in Year Twelve. Um, you know, being able to drive to school at least a couple of days a week. What, a, you know, uh, just like change your life at that time. So, um, you know, it was it was great. Like I wouldn't take it back. Moroni yearned for more than being stuck between four tortuous walls after you finished school. Well, I was really committed to, look, you know, I wasn't the avid, you know, avid school fan, you know, into the books or anything like that. I was pretty, pretty, pretty much a like a last minute dot com when it came to doing schoolwork. And I was in a situation where I didn't really want to go to university. I couldn't really stand the thought of actually going into study um, for another three or four or five years. So I decided, well, what do I like? What do I know? Um, I, I didn't actually have any idea what I wanted to do. Um, I did some work experience um, in year 10 or year 11 in the travel industry and decided, okay, well, travel sounds exciting and I want to see the world. Maybe that's the best way to do it. So I did a short, the shortest course possible um, to get, you know, tick a box and get a certificate um, and then went into looking for a job. Now, it was really interesting back when I was, 18 just left school and I went into uh, doing that course 
straight after that course, the unemployment rate in, in Australia was something like around about 8 or 9%. Um, so when we have a look at what's happening right now where we got 5 or 6% over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, at least it's been like that, um, I, I was actually able to get you know, uh, two interviews and I was successful on both interviews and got the choice between one job or another. So, um, you know, I guess those jobs are always out there and it was, it was great for me to just get in there and get started um, and, you know, sink my teeth into a career and work and, and see where, how I progress. I made the choice of, of taking the job at a larger company as I thought that that would, you know, be a lot of learning, a lot of growing, potential promotions, you know, thinking long term. So doing the hard work or the, you know, the, the, those tougher jobs early on for the, the chance to, you know, really promote myself and learn as I went along. Coming up after the break, we continue our journey back in time to follow Moroni's career in tourism. I was actually at one stage the the airline representative for Sri Lankan Airlines um, back in the early 2000s. We learned how he adapted to an unexpected revelation back at home. Got to a, a position where I, I had to you know start a new friendship, start a new life, start a new uh, way of living. We discussed the worst investment he's ever made. I lost money in terms of opportunity cost because that investment did nothing for 10 years. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, let's be real. Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So. Do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. With a burning desire to travel and a need to work, Moroni pursued a career that could give him both. Yeah, so I was traveling tourism. Um, we were actually a wholesaler of airline tickets. So the airline tickets um, these days are all online, but back then it was actually printed tickets. Um, you know, people had um, very creative destinations that they went to. So um, that involved in getting multiple airlines on an airline ticket. So that gets quite confusing. Um, and, you know, we basically then sent those airline tickets to the real estate agents for them to give to their, their clients, and their passengers. So, um, you know, we were in the in between, between the airline and the, the travel agent just about to say real estate agent but uh yeah the travel agent so you know and i progressed through in terms of working the tourism from the airline ticket side of things to being a sales rep and um you know i was actually at one stage the the airline representative for sri lankan airlines um back in the early 2000s when they were actually 
um, flying into Australia at that stage. Wow, that's exciting. So, did you get a chance to travel as well too, being part of that? I did, yeah. We got a, a few trips along the way. Um, you know, my, I guess my fondest memory was going to Sri Lanka and the Maldives. Um, some, you know, very exotic destinations, beautiful places. Um, you know, it's a little bit, I guess, with two two different destinations so close to each other where you've got, um, you know, Sri Lanka and um, some of the issues that they've had within their country um, going over to the Maldives and you're, um, you're looking at beautiful uh, island locations away from everything and um, relaxing on the beach, um, beautiful weather and, yeah, it's quite, uh, it was quite a special trip. On top of traveling for work, Moroni was fortunate enough to live abroad and travel through the U.S., I actually spent more than four years overseas um, and I, I actually worked in, in Whistler in Canada um, on the ski fields. So I worked at a hotel and, um, you know, during the day I was um, out there on the, on the mountain snowboarding around. Um, so some really fond memories of Whistler and, um, you know, British Columbia, Vancouver, that sort of area. Um, I really enjoy my travel around the U.S., um, so many memories, so many great people along, along the way, um, so inviting and so accommodating, you know, to the f- actual fact that I took a seven-week trip after traveling around meeting so many people, um, a subsequent uh, seven-week trip where I didn't actually pay for a night accommodation because people in San Francisco and Denver and Nashville and, and, um, and Miami and Florida and um, Fort Lauderdale all accommodated me along the way. So, you know, um, people have this bad thing about people from, the, from America and the USA, um, and, um, but I've had some really good memories around that, which has been really good. And I guess after that stint in Whistler, um, my, my working visa expired, so I had to make a decision what, what was the next plan, um, and I actually went for an interview at a cruise ship company. Um, Princess Cruise is well known around Australia right now for um, some unfortunate reasons, but we're in a situation where we're, uh, I was working for Princess for 18 months and um, you know, had some really good memories around get, uh, traveling around the world. So starting my ventures in Dublin, going around the, um, the UK up to Norway and Iceland, uh, and then all the way through the Mediterranean, the Suez Canal, all the way to Thailand. So um, some extensive travel in my, uh, in, my, in my past. Eventually, Moroni satisfied his craving and decided to come back home. Oh, I think that, um, you know, four years was a good test. Um, I felt like I needed to progress in areas of my life and think about what the next stage was. You know, it was, a, it was all about the, the factor of thinking, you know, am I taking this into a fantasy land type of situation where I'm just traveling the world, living from paycheck to paycheck, um, or do I, I want to get serious and, and progress my uh, learnings, my growings, and, um, you know, areas of my life and my working life that I wanted to, you know, to progress with. So um, when you are traveling, especially on the cruise ships where um, you're doing the same thing each and every day, uh, and, you know, it was about trying to, you know, maybe get back to a, a normality in life. Um, and um, I just felt like it was just really a fantasy land type of situation, and I wanted to progress and grow. I, I grew enough. In, you know, when I was there, um, 
with promo- you know trying to get promotions on cruise ships is really you know really tough it's kind of like a um time that you spend there rather than your you know your expertise and your skills and how good you are so um you know i was like well you know after a week or so i felt i was really good and i want a promotion but they go well you've got to be here for three or four years i'm like okay that's a bit of a joke um time for me to you know to think about this and and take it for what it is spend the time and holiday and and see the world and but then eventually i want to go back and um you know realize a, a life where i can you know create more for myself Moroni returned to a much different life than the one he was expecting. Feeling misplaced and lost, he had to reevaluate what he wanted for his journey. I think it was around 2005 or 6 that I came back to Australia. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that you kind of reflect on that, day, that, that timing. Um, I got a little bit lost when I came back, to be honest. Um, you know, a, a lot of people had moved on from uh from you know where i was in the past so i had to like really reboot restart my life um so really interesting i found myself getting back into the travel industry that's probably the only thing i knew back then of what i've been successful on you know what i've had in terms of skills and knowledge and experience um and then got to a, a position where i i had to you know start a new friendship start a new life start a new uh way of living um so that's it was you know, it was a real, you know, eye opener. I'm just like, oh, I thought I could just get back with family and friends and things like that. But it it wasn't the case. Everyone had moved so much on and had such a life without me being there. So, um, yeah, really interesting experience. Wow. And and what about family? You know, as you, as you mentioned, you know, friends and stuff like that, people do move on and, and they've got their own lives and so forth and they kind of live day to day kind of thing. But what about family? You know, I guess, did you come back and stay with your family for that period of time while you sort of settled back in? Yeah, lucky enough that I was able to do that. And But I guess there's a uh, a little bit of a sense that you know, I haven't been there and like some of those stories and experiences that I haven't been a part of have been, you know, have been missed by me. Um, so initially it took uh, maybe a year or two to get back in that of having memories and stories to tell each other. Whereas I lived a life overseas, which was very different to what their experiences are. Um, so to get that connection back uh, was very interesting. Moroni bought his first property in 2000 before he started traveling but with little educational guidance, his first buy did not warrant the results he was hoping for. I kind of wanted to tick off that box of getting investment property, um, get that done, sort of get tenants in place and then go and and do the travel. So, um, you know, initially I don't really, you know, I heard a little bit about property and how things worked and, um, you know, it was an idea for my parents to say, you know, to all us kids through through the years to say, you know, maybe you want to get out there and, and buy a property. Um, and that's the extent of the learnings and teachings that I got from my parents. Now, is that wrong or right? Well, you know, it's a great thing of them to put some ideas and actions in place for, for me. Uh, and and I guess the, the maybe the thing that was lacking, not, not to their... Um, their fault or anything is that you know to try and educate me along the way of why I'm doing the investing or where should I be investing or the knowledge skills and experience that they have had that that could benefit me because I found that in my first investment back in 2002 that property didn't actually grow for 10 years. 
Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> and then I guess that's the thing. That's part of the property cycles. Things go up and down, and you know, normally on average, properties increase in price or, or grow about every seven to ten years. And that's the thing. Maybe you purchased just after the cycle just kind of finished. And yeah, interesting. Yeah, I bought at the peak of the market back in two thousand and two and three um, in Sydney. So there was you know a, a lull for quite an extensive time. Now there was you know some ups and downs along the way. So if you bought at the low points, yes, you would have made a bit more money than I did. But I bought, you know, at a very high point, um, and the market just just flatlined pretty much, apart from those ups and downs along the way. But between 2002 and 2012, there was very little growth. And then, you know, Western Sydney really was the first one to take off um, in tw- uh, 2012. Before you saw the rest of the Sydney market take off in 2013 and 14. If you go towards the northern beaches where that really started to go aggressively um, you know, up in price. His first experiences with property will be etched into his memories forever but maybe not for the best of reasons. Oh, it's definitely the most memorable one. Um, you know, it's always your first that you, you never forget. Uh, you know, and I think it is the most memorable one because it's all the things that I did wrong. We often have that, you know, memory or mindset about ourselves to focus on the negative, right? So I guess that's the way as humans that we are built. So, you know, all the things that I did wrong where I, you know, basically picked the first house that I saw, um, try to get, you know, a 2K reduction in price to feel like I got a deal and um, got into a position of just, you know, quickly... Um, trying to put the deposit on the the property and the agent really try to you know push and hurry us through to get that done. Um, you know, I, I you know I bought a regular three bedroom house in the suburb of Blacktown. You know, you know, it's in the past it's proven to go really well. In actual fact, my brother had previously bought in Blacktown um, four years pre, uh, before for one hundred and fifty thousand, and you know he was able to double his money in five years. Um, I took 10 years and I had no growth. So it was really 15 years before you could see actually any growth or substantial growth in that property um, to come through. So, you know, going of past results um, and looking at what past results it did and, and thinking that it will just be the same next time as well, it's not, it's not the case. And, um, you know, people found that in, in a Sydney property market maybe over the last four years or so as opposed to the previous five years to that. So between 2012 and 2017, you know, property markets in Sydney just went skyrocket. Um, they remained pretty flat up until um, over the last four years, up until maybe the last six months or so. So um, that experience that I had between 2002 and 2012 has really played out. But, you know, going back to your question in regards to that, you know, the, the memory of that first property Trying to, you know, picking that property at the peak of the market was one. Um, trying to manage the tenants on my own, that was definitely another one. Um, you know, I had holes in the walls. I had tenants that left without letting me know. Um, you know, turning up on the front door, knocking on that door, and then not hearing a peep inside. Um, eventually, just opening the door and having a look at the mess and the holes and the um, all the dramas that, you know, that led me to being, you know, there on a weekend cleaning up and, um, you know, some terrible experiences, you know, when I first invested in property. Um, and But I always had the mindset of I'm going to hold this for 50 years. 
Um, it doesn't matter what happens now. I'm just long-term, I'm a long-term thinker. I guess where I've seen the struggle with a lot of people is, you know, they have that one incident where a bad tenant comes through and they want to sell immediately. It's just too hard work for them. Um, and I know a lot of people that sold in 2005 and six and seven that actually when they sold, they sell it for less than what they bought it for. And, um, you know, that's where, you know, and, and another factor is they don't get back into investing. They don't learn from their mistakes. Um, the great thing about it is I learned from those early mistakes of not buying at the peak of the market, not <laughs> managing my tenants uh, and, you know, having the team of people around me, you know, goes back to the acronym I talked about, team, action and patience uh, with investing. In a future episode of Property Investory, we'll continue the conversation with Luke Moroni and discuss the strategies he uses. So the the um, the strategy that I've used is is a buy and hold strategy. So you know, for for me, it is uh, the the patience around building a property portfolio. The personal habits that have helped him stay sharp. I do a seven kilometer run, um, and that started just after Christmas back in 2017. We hear a story about him trusting his gut. And um, they were just saying, drug capital of Australia, um, it's a terrible demographic. And all these sort of things were coming in all the comments um, back to me. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now and I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as 6 months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040. 40. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.